BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. You're listening to Back Your Play with Q on AM 1490 Sports Betting Radio. All right. 418 on a very busy Tuesday. I love, I love when the opening monologue starts to get people, it gets under their skin a little bit. Already, you guys are firing off at me with the tweets. Hey, folks, listen, it was a boring game. It was a boring game, and the commercials stunk. Even though I did like the one with uh, our guy, George Costanza, which, by the way, is a great segue. For our uh, first guest on this Tuesday, John McMullen. Johnny Mack does a wonderful job covering the NFL and the Eagles. You hear him all over the place. It's just, I don't know. After a while, he's got too many jobs. It's like I'm giving these free pops. He's all over the place, right? But more importantly, he joins me, football in the 20s, Rothstein during the night, and on Saturdays, host of Extending to Play from 10 to 11, your best Eagles coverage in South Jersey. Um, What was more exciting, the commercials or the game, my friend? Uh, that's a good question. I, you know, I didn't pay. Aton asked me this on the middle, which is also on fourteen ninety. Uh, but I, I didn't pay attention to the commercials, so that means they didn't wow me. No, just nothing no. stood out to me. I did see the Costanza one, as you mentioned, the Jason Alexander <laughs> one. wasn't much, but I, obviously, I'm going to say neither because obviously the game was exactly how I thought yep. it was going to go. Exactly how you yep. and Colin Thompson and I projected it on extending the play, but I didn't think it would be that bad. They just couldn't block Tampa's front. Nah, they couldn't. And Patrick Mahomes was running for his life. I I think Burleson gave the stat post game on CBS afterwards. He ran almost five hundred and something odd yards. Now I don't know if he was trying to do too much. You know, I, I was reading on social media after the game where people were looking at some of these almost throws and almost completion. Listen, the kid was banged up. The offensive line was a liability, and Tampa's defense just peaked at the right time. Brady didn't have to blow you away, but he was efficient. And and at the end of the day, listen, the, the game was not – it just wasn't competitive. It wasn't. I thought the third quarter we were going to see some adjustments. I'm just wondering, do you twofold – do you think that everything that happened with Andy Reid and his son, 
how much of a distraction that could have been. And it's funny because a couple of weeks ago, we all had to give praise to Eric Bieniemy for some of his play calls. But I see a lot of people were very um, slow to criticize him with some of the play calling on Sunday. So let me get your thoughts on Reed and how he coached and if you thought it was a distraction. Yeah, no question. I, I mean, I, I think Andy Reed what he's most known for is preparation. Uh, and when you give him extra time, typically the numbers are unbelievable uh, as far as wins and losses for Andy Reid. So, I mean, he's a human being. I had to affect him. Uh, we mentioned that on the show as well. And I think, yeah, I mean, I think it had a huge effect on that team and the preparation and Look, they kept blocking with with five guys, and you needed some max protect. But I think there's a lot of blame to go around. You're right. I mean, everybody. Look, Eric is a good coach. Everybody wants to give him credit when things go well, uh, and they don't want to blame him uh, when things go poorly. That's not how this is done. And even Patrick Mahomes. I got to tell you, Rich, I've never seen more people jump on their swords for a quarterback in my life. Uh, look, there is some responsibility on the quarterback when you know, you just talked that word efficiency, you know the pass protection isn't there. Yep. You got to adjust. Absolutely. You got to get rid of the football. And, and he didn't. He looked like no. Tarkenton. He looked like Tarkenton. I, I text my buddy a couple plays and I'm like, what is he doing? Like, is he, like, I jokingly said, what's, what, you know, no pun intended for Rothstein, but what is the fix in? I'm like, what, what is he doing? Like, stop scrambling around like that. Live to fight another day or throw the ball away. Stop taking some of these bad sacks. Yeah. I, I mean, look, he's a great player. It, because he had a bad game on the biggest stage, he's still a great player. You don't have to defend him, but you can say he had a bad game. And that's part of it. There's no question uh, the lack of pass protection hurt him. Uh, you know, but again, you have to adjust. Yep. You have to make do as best you can. I thought there were other avenues he could have went down, and maybe that is the preparation. Maybe that's Andy Reid as well. Maybe that's Eric Bieniemy as well. But, I mean, come on. Have you ever seen anybody else play that poorly no. and nobody can criticize the guy? No, I, I mean, no. Any other saw. quarterback. Any Tom other quarterback would have got killed. You're right. You're, you're, yeah. yeah. And, and here's another thing. Talk about preparation, too. Not to cut you off, Johnny Mac, but how about the fact that, you know, the game plan for Tampa, I mean, my goodness, Gronk looked like he turned, you know, listen, if Gronk would have scored another one, you make the case that Gronk was the MVP. I mean, that's how crazy that yeah, game I mean, is. You could have made uh, Devin White. You Devin White. You could have made Shaq Fournette. The MVP. Yep. Uh, and obviously, you know, they always give it to the quarterback yep. for the most time. And Tom played efficient. I think that's that's the best way to describe it. But, you know, that's what we always talk about. If you don't make mistakes at that position, you're going to have your chance. You're going to have your team with a chance to win. And, and obviously they weren't even in a close game. So that never even manifested itself. But I, I got to tell you, man. The Tom Brady, we know the numbers. <laughs> Check out the numbers. <clears throat> Check out the numbers, Rich, post-40. Yeah. Post-40, he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. <laughs> he's been to three Super Bowls. He's won two after turning 40. Yeah. And we're never going to see this <clears throat> nope. again. No, we're not. Um, let me get to the Eagle stuff, and then we'll kind of go um, around the league with a couple things. All right. It just gets... 
we talked a little bit about this Saturday, right, with the, the, the potential of the news drop. You know, now these reports, it looks like Chicago's the one suitor. And I'm curious, though. You're around that team. So you, you, you get it and you know. Um, so we value, and the listening audience values your opinion. What does it say when Carson Wentz can get along with pretty much everyone in the building, but yet he doesn't want to pick up the phone when the GM calls? Well, yeah, I, I mean, it's not good. Uh, there's no question about that. And that's going to feed into the narrative of everyone in the world, everyone in this town disliking Howie Roseman with the exception uh, of Jeffrey Lurie. So, I mean, that's going to further drive into it. But I, I got to tell you, Rich, I, I mean, Howie Roseman didn't put that on film, the way Carson Wentz played. Um, whether he wants to come back to this organization or not, and he doesn't want to come back because of the general manager. He had some issues with the head coach. There's no problem. There's no, there's no doubt about that. He's had problems um, with some teammates. So I, I do think that that's uh, a little bit uh, of a false narrative because Howie Roseman is not the only guy that Carson Wentz has had a problem. What, we talked again a little bit about this on Saturday. You know, the grass isn't always greener. And I, I remember I joked with you and said, wouldn't it be funny if Foles was packaged and he comes back to Philly? <laughs> and, I mean, think about it. It's funnier things, stranger things have happened. But, listen, if you're Carson Wentz, you might be dealt to a Bears team that, hey, look, that that's a tough fan base as well, man. I mean, let's be honest. It's not Philadelphia, but oh. that— that's a tough fan base, and you also got to deal with goofy ownership. The verdict's still out on the head coach, and you don't have a ton of weapons. Oh, no And Allen Robinson's a free agent. Yep. I mean, that's the one weapon you do have, and he might not have been be back. That's a really good receiver. But, yeah, I mean, the GM there is, is essentially, um, you know, he's on a one-year uh, lease right now. He's got he's to win or he's out. The coach is probably the same way. Uh, and, yeah, that's a really difficult market. Uh, I mean, that's a bigger city than Philadelphia. People can talk maybe not the, the hard edge of the Northeast, but certainly Chicago is not a market where you're going to go and hide. I will say that. Um, so so that's a part of it. And, uh, look, I, I mean, we always said there's going to be a team that, that talks itself into, I can fix this guy. There always is. Uh, and that's what the Eagles are trying to prey upon. Uh, and you do look for a GM that's sort of uh, not worried about the future because he may not have a right. future. And I always think that's a poor position uh, to put someone like that in. So I think that's an ownership issue. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, the Eagles are trying to take advantage of the Bears. And um that's the, I mentioned that on the show. They're looking for the weakest one in the herd, and, and they're trying to to get him away away from the rest and take advantage of. Them. Yeah, and I guess too, ultimately, what we deem would be fair return, you know, maybe Joe Schmo doesn't believe that, or maybe another another individual. So I, I again, I don't know how you can really kind of quantify Carson Wentz's value. You know, it's easier yeah, if like it's tough because of the yeah, contract, exactly of the dead money, right? Uh, because of the owner chiming in, he yep. might have expectations and saying, "Okay, I'm going to eat 34 million. Well, you better get something back." Right. So his expectations may be real unrealistic. 
I got to tell you, though, Howard Roseman's calling up people and asking for two first-round picks coming off this season after his bench for a second-round pick. I don't know how he can say that with a straight face. Well, if he gets it, he's GM so, of the year, as you said. Yeah, uh, no question. I, I, I would give him the executive of the year if he could pull that off. Do, do, uh, and you're only looking for one. I yep. always say that. You know, people say you're trying to fool the entire NFL. No, you're not. You're trying to fool one team. Uh, if the other uh, – if Chris Ballard, who everyone considers a, a really smart GM, laughs at you and Mike Mayock laughs at you and John Lynch laughs at you and Ryan Pace doesn't, that's all you're looking for. You're not looking to fool everybody. You're no. just looking to fool one person. No, you're right. You just need one dance partner. 4.30 on a Tuesday edition of Back Your Play. Rich Quinone is here. We'll take you up to 6 a.m. 1490 Sports Betting Radio. Football in the 20s. Johnny Mac, John McMullen joining us, as he typically does every Tuesday. A little uh, putting a bow on the uh, boring uh, Super Bowl. And uh, a lot of Eagles stuff, obviously. Uh, just uh, two more quickies on the Philadelphia Eagles. And as you were talking, it just kind of floated uh, in my mind with Carson Wentz. I mean, is there... If they continuously want more, right, a little more return on their investment, and they realize they can't get it, is there a potential scenario where basically this just falls apart and they they can't move them? Yeah, there is. And I I mentioned you start hearing the whispers come out of Seattle. Uh, People are calling Seattle for a reason because Russell Wilson isn't happy. He's out doing interviews talking about wanting personnel power. Yep, and more protection. Bad it's getting with these quarterbacks. Unbelievable. Um, You know, and but I'll tell you what: if Russell Wilson is on the open market, nobody's going to care about Carson Wentz until they exhaust their uh, chances of getting Russell Wilson. So this is what the Eagles are up against. And the fact I've mentioned, you know. Minnesota keeps saying Kirk Cousins, they want him back. Atlanta says they want Matt yep. Ryan back. But Seattle said, you never know how this changes. It can change on a dime. And if Russell Wilson specifically and Deshaun Watson yep. forces himself out of Houston, yep. well, you're way down the list of course you are. if you're the Eagles of all course of a sudden. So yeah. how we better hurry? It, I, I, I would, that's my advice. I, I Listen, are we – and I know I've asked you this several times on this show, on your show, just you and I just uh, talking football off the air. Are, are we are we starting now to get into the NFL is becoming the NBA where players really want to kind of pick and choose? I mean, look, we've seen it over the last 20 or 30 years. Players are just disgruntled and they won out, you know, the Carson Palmer's forcing your way out. We've seen, you know, you don't want to get drafted. We've seen it. But now, I don't know. It seems as though it's so pronounced with guys like Deshaun Watson and Stafford and now with Wentz and now with Watson. And then, you know, Aaron Rodgers, we know he hasn't been happy. It it almost seems as though there's so much power being given. Like, why... Why are people criticizing Deshaun Watson for wanting input, but then Russell Wilson gets a pass for running, wanting input and the fact that the offensive line has been in shambles? Like, I, I don't know. I think we kind of pick and choose our spots, but I'm curious. In all the years covering the NFL that you've had, can you recall a time where all of a sudden these franchise quarterbacks, these veteran quarterbacks, even some of these young guys that are all pros and potential MVP candidates are turning around saying, you know what? Nah, I, I, I'm done. I'm out. I, I I don't want to deal with this anymore. Get me out of here. 
No, I, yeah, I agree with you. It is changing. It is shifting. And I don't think that's a good thing for the league. And I, you know, when you say people giving Russell Wilson a pass, you know, a lot of what I said uh, about Patrick Mahomes comes with him as well. Uh, I mean, he owns that those historic uh, sack numbers as well, because what does he want to do? He, he wants to extend the play all the time. Um, so again, you know, and Frank Reich is the one who told me this. The quarterback has a lot to do with the pass protection. So for people who don't understand that, um, they have a lot to do with pass protection, number one. Number two, I, I do think organizations will look at this Russell Wilson thing and, and, and look at it much differently and say, what the heck is going on here? Um, I, so I think that's different than the fan base. And then you look at Deshaun Watson – that that strikes me as NBA-like because where does he want to go? He wants to go to Miami. He wants to go to New York. That that strikes me as NBA-like. And, you know, you mentioned Carson Palmer in the past. That was disgruntlement against the organization. Now, Watson certainly has that with Houston. You're always going to have that. But then trying to steer yourself into a particular direction, boy, that's – I don't think that's good for the NBA. I don't think that would be good for the NFL. Uh, Johnny Mack, two more quickies on the Super Bowl itself from a viewing standpoint. We know the numbers are down. They did very well streaming CBS and whatnot on multiple platforms. Um, wh- wh- why do you think the numbers were down? Because it, it seems as though we were we, – I hyped us up where you see the real nice-looking brunette walk through the bar, and then when you finally get to date with her, you realize, man, you know what? <laughs> She's just not my cup of tea. Like you have this you, – you, you envision it in your mind a certain way, and then it was a major letdown. Why do you think the numbers were down this year? Well, I think a lot of it is TV in general, and, and it's weird in that industry because I do a lot with TV ratings over the years as well. Um, and I, I think everyone, when, when COVID-19 started, they expected television ratings to, to spike because everybody's home. They're not going out. It's been the exact opposite. Everything on television is down almost to, to I mean, almost 100 percent, including the NFL. Now, I projected the NFL to be down 10% this year because of the election. That's what happened last election. Yes. Was that, it ended up down 7% on the Super Bowl, was down 9%. Um, so a lot of it is just, you know, you mentioned the shifting uh, landscape and television to streaming. Some of it is that. Some of them is nobody can figure out how to reach this youth demographic. They don't watch television, and that is a industry-wide problem, not just the NFL, not just professional sports. Uh, everybody is trying to figure that out. They haven't figured it out. But I will say it doesn't matter because, because everything has fallen, as I said, so drastically. NFL TV rights are more valuable than ever because, yeah, you can say <laughs> – well, it's down to $91 million on linear television. Well, guess what? Nothing else can even come close to delivering that. So when you do sell the advertisers, they say, oh, give me that, give me that, give me that. And they want 
something that can at least guarantee them huge numbers, and the NFL is the only one who can do that. Marty Schonheimer won 200 regular season games for NFL teams. I mean, we always remember shot with uh, the Chargers, the Chiefs, and, of course, those great Browns teams. He passed away, uh, complications of uh, Alzheimer's. He was 77. So he's uh, one of seven head coaches with 200 regular season wins. And, you know, I, I know people will look at, Schottenheimer as, you know, a great ambassador of the game and a heck of head coach. And, you know, these certain teams just couldn't get over the hump. But I was going back and forth with people today. Well, hold on a second, right? Jeremiah Castilla makes a great play. The defense can't do anything one year. Then you had the implosion when he was ultimately with San Diego uh, back in uh, 2007 in that divisional playoff loss to Brady and the Pats. We saw some of the disappointments losing to the Raiders and whatnot in the playoffs with Kansas City. Look, you know, it's just those Browns teams were great teams that just— they just couldn't close the deal. That doesn't make him a choke artist. It, it just doesn't. But, you know, Schonheimer, I think he was uh, 13 out of 20 years. He was in the playoffs. That's not bad. No, he's a very good coach. And I think, you know, the Washington Post. Oh, that was horrible. Uh, yeah, horrible. That, that was horrible for an obituary. I mean, I, I, hey, look, coaches, Andy Reid went through this for years. Uh, I, I believe, I've always said, and I covered him, I believe Dennis Green would have been uh, the first and should have been the first uh, African-American head coach in the Hall of Fame. Uh, he probably would have been if, if the Vikings win in 98. Uh, I, that team and the Chargers team you just mentioned with Marty, those are the two best teams I've ever seen that didn't win. Um, and, and that's part of it. If you don't win Super Bowls, same as quarterbacks, no one's going to give you the credit you deserve. But Marty... Marty was a great, great coach. You wouldn't, no question about it. You want to throw the 2007 Patriots up there? Yeah, that's yeah, good point. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, that, yeah, I was giving you, team, yeah. I, that might have been the best Patriots team of all. And that's the, that's the big, you know, crazy part of it. Yeah. The fact that look at, look at all the Patriots' success and the best Patriots team of them all didn't win it. Yeah. And I, and I more locally – if you look at that run the Phillies had in baseball, the team that won it was probably worse, certainly worse than the team that, that lost to the Yankees and, and then, you know, uh, lost in the, in the NFL side That's of right. the bracket. That might have been the worst of that three-year run yep. the Phillies had. It yeah. happens. They got- you know, they, you hate to use the term luck, but a lot of things have to go right. Of course, to win the championship. of course, absolutely. Got swept by Colorado. You had the Matsui, um, or I'm sorry, the other Cavs. I forget the the Grand Slam, and then Howard not you know striking out, looking and whatnot against the Cardinals. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And you know the NFL is funny because you just mentioned Denny Green, right? Dennis Green. If Sean Heimer's teams in 86, 87, 80. I mean, think about this. Sean Heimer with Cleveland was 44 and 27, 84 to 88. Okay. He had a great run with Kansas City as well for close to 10 years. But if that defense makes a play against Elway or Biner never fumbles and say that team goes to the Super Bowl and maybe one of those teams beat the Giants and or Washington, then again, the narrative is so it's different. We're not saying Schottenheimer is a guy that wilted. We're saying, you know, Marty Schottenheimer, no, Hall of Fame I mean, head You know what I'm saying? And, and you know, as a Giants guy, look, 
David Tyree, everybody talks about the helmet catch, one of the most famous plays in, in Super Bowl history. How crazy is that play? And then I, I, I believe that was the Samuel game as well, wasn't it? The Asante, Asante game, Samuel he went, had it, the interception. went right through his hands. Uh, uh, yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and think about so think about if those two things go in different directions. I, I mean, it changes everything on on, on the turn uh, of a dime. And people judge coaches and quarterbacks in the NFL. They judge managers, and that, that's just what they do. And no, it's not fair. Does does Brady winning? I know this is you're going to chuckle. I just I want to get you on the record with this. It just just does nothing to diminish no. Belichick's legacy, right? Nothing. No. Thank you. Nothing. It's just I don't get it. Nothing. Why are we even? Ta- why did I even bring it up? <laughs> Well, people are saying, does that make Tom Brady the greatest? <laughs> he was not the greatest. I mean, what what more can he do at, at 43 years old if he loses that game? It, uh, that's what I'm saying. The, the greatest court. It, it, it's, I, I don't understand. Who people cares? If he would have lost stuff. 55 to nothing, my opinion of Brady doesn't change. Exactly. Um, and, and, you know, more than and, – and you heard this from – Buccaneers players yeah. and Bruce Arians after the game. You know, what he does to the other pieces in that locker room and elevating them, not only on the field, but off it. Yep. Because he gives them confidence and they they have that swagger. Uh, and, and they say, oh, we got Tom Brady now. We got a chance. Exactly. And, you know, Devin White turns into Devin White. And uh, I, I mean, people under undervalue those types of things. And how about this, right? The guys that we would consider cast-offs, even though Gronk is a Hall of Famer, Brown, Fournette, Gronk, you know, these guys all contributed. Well, not only did they contribute, that's a, uh, another avenue you can go down, Rich. The reason they came to Tampa that's Bay right. was because Tom went to Tampa right. Bay. Right, right. Certainly, yeah. certainly uh, a Gronk and Antonio, you could argue, you know, Leonard Fournette probably didn't have a lot of avenues, but... Look, uh, I mean, and we say the same thing with the Eagles in Super Bowl 52. All those one-year guys, Chris Long, Patrick Robinson, Eric LeGarrette, yep. that's what happens when you win championships. Things like that work out for you. Yeah. LaShawn McCoy didn't have two carries in the postseason two straight years. He has two rings. <laughs> He's got two rings, which tells you, I mean, people say rings. And look. If you're a major contributor to a team that wears a ring, obviously it's very meaningful. Right. But you know the ball boy gets a ring. Hey, I, I listen, and I would I would make fun and in a joking way because I have a, a ton of admiration for him, Seth Joyner. You know, for the last couple of years of his career, kind of hung around, and he finally got that ring with Green yeah. Bay. A hell of a yeah. player, don't get me wrong. But yeah, there's nothing wrong with hanging around. I think he also won a ring, didn't it? The, the Broncos too, right? Ninety eight. Denver, yeah. Yeah, so there you go. I mean, there's, you know, nothing wrong with that. Actually, he won the one year. Yeah, he won the one year. So, so all right. Well, listen, I always appreciate it, pal. Uh, we will tune you in tonight with uh, Rothstein, and uh, always appreciate a couple moments, bud. All right, thanks, Rich. Appreciate it. All right, our good friend Johnny Mack, John McMullen, host of Extending the Play every Saturday from 10 to 11. He gives you fantastic stuff. He gives you a different perspective on things. And I thought he brought up a really great point. You know, the 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 narrative, the picture that's being painted with Howie. Look, San Laquito wrote about this last year and got hammered. 
that some of the players were not on the same page with Carson Wentz. So there is some truth that maybe Carson Wentz isn't the best teammate, but it does. it is odd that you're just not picking up the phone. And to Carson Wentz's credit, you know, I get where you're coming from, but also, and this is where I'm going to get on him a little bit, you know, be the bigger person, right? I don't care if you don't come out and say anything, but pick up the phone and just hash it out like that. Because either way, it doesn't matter. At this point, you're either going to get traded or you're not. 445. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.